have returned. Y'all see how that works now? See, last week it didn't make a whole lot of sense because it was the first episode, but, you know, going forward, yes, sir, that's the trademark. I have returned. And I'll tell y'all, man, this last week and a half, Lord have mercy. I, I, I can't remember a time in my life in which I have been so, so swamped with just work upon work upon work upon work, y'all. Like, it was crazy. We're talking about schoolwork, 10-page papers, projects, you know, video projects, everything under the sun, man. Everything under the sun I had due, and I had to make sure I got it done last week. But um, we emerged like a phoenix from the ashes, victorious. I'm almost done. Not quite all the way done yet, but I'm almost done with all my work. You know, part of what had me so busy, right? I, I did draft coverage with Annenberg Media last week. You know, thankful for uh, Sam Marcellani and Trevor Denton, Aiden Berg. Those three guys, those are seniors and juniors that uh, I was fortunate enough to have in my corner to put me on. They, they had faith that I, I could keep up with them. We had eight, no, excuse me, over 10 hours, 10 hours on the NFL draft stream covering the draft rounds one through three 10 hours plus covering that thing man on the grind gotta stay on the grind and i was telling talking to my dad you know he was telling me you know folks will look at the eight hours or 10 hours and they'll be like man that's a long time but you know what they're not even calculating is the amount of prep work you have to go through right you you have to know just about every single prospect i mean we're talking about rounds 1 through 3 of the nfl draft that's almost 100 picks so you got to know the ins and outs of 100 potential nfl players more because you don't know who's going to get drafted some people might fall some people might rise up um and be drafted earlier than you thought you got to know a lot of people, but, you know, I digress. I, I'm not going to turn this into the show where I complain or, you know, tell you guys about all the work that I'm doing. Y'all know I'm on a grind, and I know y'all out there are on your grind. Get with me. I'm with y'all. Let's go get a bag. Boy, if you don't get... Let's go secure that bag, ladies and gentlemen. With that said, on the tone of the NFL draft, that's what I want to start talking about today, y'all, because... It was it was honestly pretty entertaining, right? Like it wasn't a whole lot going on, especially in the sports world. So this is the biggest event really that's happened in about a month and a half. Right. And they did it all virtually. And there was a lot of uh, concern about it. Right. Is there going to be any technological hiccups? Is something going to go wrong? Are they going to be able to pull it off? But all in all, it went over pretty well. And, uh, you know, I got to say, there are even people out there like, you know, maybe they should go virtual every year instead of, you know, wasting all this money on a venue, putting all these events together. Just just let folks chill at home and make their draft pick, because like I said, it went over pretty freaking well. Um, no technological hiccups. You know, you got to see inside of some of these coaches homes. You got to see Bill Belichick's dog sitting out of chair looking like he's making the draft picks. You know, you got to see uh, Cliff Kingsbury in his insane house. You got to peer into some of these prospects' house. A lot of funny stuff, you know, happening with their girlfriends and stuff. My goodness. <laughs> Black kid gets drafted, his white girlfriend. And, you know, I'm not going to make this a race thing, right? 
it's not necessarily a race thing, but his white girlfriend, you know, she's all up on him. And the mom just yanks her off the kid. I forget his name, but she just yanks her off the kid. And you can tell by the way her hand was moving. She was just going off on her. You couldn't hear it, right? Because they're, they're still in the draft stream. The analysts are giving their take. But you you could just know that the mom, the way her hand, y'all know how black moms get down. Their hand moves a certain way. You know that they're going off on somebody. And the reason I think she was going off on her is because, you know, somebody gets drafted. That's their moment. That's their time to shine. This is the all the, the culmination of all the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears that they've put into football all culminates into this moment where they make the NFL. And what are you doing, lady, trying to cover up my son, hug him when you're the one in the camera? And you're the one, you know, on the shine. Let let them see my son. I think that was her issue with that. But you had CeeDee Lamb snatched. That I knew that boy had hands. I didn't know his hands were like that. That boy snatched his phone back from his girlfriend so quick, bro. You just know. You just know it was something on there he ain't want her to see, man. <laughs> that man got that thing back so quick and so nonchalant about it, too. So nonchalant. He just knew, like, nope, that ain't for you. That's my phone. But again, I digress. Let's hop into this NFL draft, man. Like I said, I was on stream for 10 plus hours. Had a blast. Shout out to Sam. Shout out to Trevor. Shout out to Aiden. Those guys did a heck of a job. You know, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to get my feet wet, really trying to cover something like that. Um, And I got to toot my own horn a little bit. Toot, toot. I'm going to toot my own horn because I got eight out of 32 of the first round picks right. Right. Every year you have analysts like Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Matt Miller. They go into the draft. They have a mock draft. Right. If you don't know what a mock draft is, it's basically trying to predict which players go where in the first round. And they tend not to go all that well. I believe Mel Kuyper might have got like, you know, four to five. Right. Somewhere in there. That's usually how much you get, because the first round is so unpredictable. The entire draft is so unpredictable. You would never really know which teams like which players. But. For my f- record, right? This is my personal record of uh, of draft picks and of being right in a mock draft. I got 8 out of 10, 25% of the first round right. That's better than Mel Kuyper. That's better than Todd McShay. That's better than Matt Miller. That's better than all these professionals doing it. You got this kid, right? Operating with a blue snowball microphone out of his out of his uh out of the upper floor of his house. You know, I don't have any inside information. I don't, I don't talk to any of these teams yet. Somehow I'm doing better than y'all. Get better. I'm calling you out, Mel Kuyper. Get better, dog. If you if I'm out doing you, there's a serious problem. And it's either that ESPN is not um, they're not prioritizing people who actually know what they're saying. And they're just prioritizing people who are entertaining to listen to or. I'm just that dude. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just that dude. I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to have to toot my own horn a little bit here. A toot toot. There's a lot going on, man. A lot going on with this draft. And one of my friends that I went to high school with, Aiden McKay, he submitted a question for the NFL draft uh, or for this podcast, right? He, he asked me, uh, who's a winner and who's a loser of the NFL draft? Who are, uh, who are some of the winners and losers? And I'll get into that. But Aiden, since you brought it, you brought up the NFL draft, right? I'm a, I'm a, um, I know your pops played for uh, my wide receiver coach growing up, Coach Orlando McKay. His dad played for Green Bay growing up. So that family's a, a Green Bay fan. 
They are Green Bay Packers fans. And before I hop into the winners and losers, I want to talk about what just happened in Green Bay. Because what we're witnessing right now, what we're seeing, that is the beginning of the end of Aaron Rodgers' tenure as a Packer. And that is wild to say. The beginning of the end. The dude's 36 years old. Last season was probably the worst season that we've seen from him in a while. He wasn't the transcendent talent that we're used to seeing from Aaron Rodgers, right? Um, But the team was still good primarily because the defense was so good. But Aaron Rodgers just wasn't the same dude. And apparently the Packers saw that. And they decided to trade up in the first round, right? Because going into the draft, everyone was saying, man, we got to get Aaron Rodgers some help. The Packers need to get him some more receivers to throw to. Devontae Adams can't shoulder the load all by himself. The Packers need to get weapons. Aaron Rodgers goes on a podcast. I forget which one, but he goes on a podcast and he says, you know, it'd be nice if we got some skill position players. We haven't drafted a skill position player in a very long time in the first round. Right. So everything, the stars are aligning for the Packers to go get Aaron Rodgers more guys to throw to. And this is a very, very deep wide receiver class, mind you. You got a lot of big names out there. Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs. Y'all know the deal. C.D. Lamb. A lot of talent out there to be had at the wide receiver position. But what do the Packers do? They trade up in the first round, of course, with New England. They never pick in the first round. They always trade back. That's what New England does. The Packers trade up with New England. And who do they draft? Not somebody for Aaron Rodgers to throw to. Nah, 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 nah. That would be too black and white. That's too simple. The Packers draft Aaron Rodgers' replacement. They draft the man who's ultimately going to take his job one day. And we know the guy that Aaron Rodgers is, right? He's egotistical. He thinks he is that dude. He's well aware of the transcendent talent that he has. And he believes that he's the guy that should be winning every game. And, you know, to some extent or another, he's earned the right to believe that. It's never good to be that um, self-centered. But to some extent or another, because of how purely good he is, he's earned the right to think along those lines. But now we see Jordan Love. Every time Aaron Rodgers walks into that quarterback room, he's going to be looking at the dude who's going to eventually replace him. So let me talk about Jordan Love, because he is a prospect that I very much liked. He's coming out of Utah State, bit of a late bloomer, um, but the dude has so much arm talent. And he got he got uh, Patrick Mahomes comparisons heading in. No one's Patrick Mahomes. Let me just cut that. Let me nip that in the bud right now. Nobody, at least nobody that we've seen has anywhere close to the talent that Patrick Mahomes has. He's head and shoulders in terms of pure talent, right? He's not the greatest quarterback of all time. You have to uh, win a lot more than he has, right? He's on his track. He's on the track of becoming that, but he's not there yet. But in terms of pure arm talent, there's not a single quarterback in NFL history that could match what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. The dude's absolutely ridiculous. But the way that Jordan loves plays, the way that Jordan Love plays football. It's very similar akin to um, Patrick Mahomes. He likes to push the ball downfield. He has a cannon of an arm. He's pretty mobile for his size, but when he moves, he moves to throw the ball. He's not looking to run nine times out of ten. He has a little bit of creativity to him, something that's a little bit unorthodox, but it works. I very much like Jordan Love as a prospect, but it didn't make sense from the Packers standpoint. Not now. Especially when you have Aaron Rodgers. He still has some gas left in the tank. But no, they decided to go get his eventual replacement. Mind you, Aaron Rodgers is older now than 
Brett Favre was when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers to ultimately replace Brett Favre. So, history repeats itself. It looks like we're about to walk into the same situation. One, two, maybe three years down the line, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers anymore. You're going to be looking at Jordan Love. So the question lies, where do the Packers go from here? Because you know Aaron Rodgers sees what's going on. He was on the other end of it before. How is Aaron Rodgers going to react to this? How is he going to approach training camp, approach these games? Right? Is he going to be as willing to put forth the effort knowing that his replacement's behind him? I don't think so, y'all. I, I don't think it's going to be a whole lot of time before we see Aaron Rodgers ultimately request a trade to be out of Green Bay, knowing full well that his replacement's sitting behind him the entire time. I don't think he's going to want to be there for much longer. I truly don't. It's very, very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. And like I said, I very much like Jordan Love. I like his game. I think he's ultimately given some time to develop. He can be a very good quarterback. But I wonder how much time he's actually going to get to develop because Aaron Rodgers is not going to be doing him any favors. It's not like Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy to take him under his wing, guide him, tell him what he needs to do, what not to do, how he should act, how he should present himself. That's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wants to keep his job. And we've seen it time and again. Quarterbacks don't like that. Tom Brady didn't like having Jimmy Garoppolo in the locker room. Hell, Joe Flacco didn't like having Drew Locke, and neither one of those guys is all that good to me. Joe Flacco especially is not all that good to me. He was never elite. Let's get that, you know, straight up. Joe Flacco is not a good quarterback. He didn't even like seeing his replacement in the locker room. Phillip Rivers doesn't want to see his replacement in the locker room. Guys don't want to see that. They don't want to walk into their job and see the guy that's ultimately going to replace them. And Aaron Rodgers is about as egotistical as they come. So it's definitely, I think it's only a matter of time before we see Aaron Rodgers one out of Green Bay. The thing's already festering right now, y'all. But to answer your question, Aiden, because usually I do the Q&A at the end, but your question tied in so well with uh, covering the NFL draft. I want to go ahead and push it up here. Who is the winner of the NFL draft and who is the loser of the NFL draft? Let's see. Do I want to start with the loser or do I want to start with the winner? Why don't I start with the winner? Because if y'all know me, you probably know who the loser is and I'm going off on the loser. So I'll start with the winner. And I think the winner is the New York Jets. And the Jets... The reason that they win, right, is because of the value that they were able to garner from their picks. Um, Makai Becton, their first round pick, that guy's going to be a premier offensive tackle. He has the size, he has the agility, the strength, everything that you need, right? The guy's, you know, now he's going to come in, he's going to protect Sam Darnold's blind side. Um, he's going to do that for the foreseeable future, and he's going to do that for a very long time, I think. I think he's a, you know, not a... Uh, not a foolproof prospect per se, but I think the chances of him busting are pretty low. So that was your first round pick if you're the Jets. You're off to a good start. Again, Sam Donald's a protection, something that he sorely, sorely needed. What do you follow that up with in the second round? Denzel Mims. Now, I don't know if y'all know this about me or not, but I am the biggest Denzel Mims fan of all of the draft analysts that you will ever see or listen to. I was the biggest Denzel Mims fan. Remember this moment, right? When we're we're three, four years down the line and Sam Donald and Denzel Mims have one of the best connections in the NFL. Denzel Mims is a consensus top 15 wide receiver and the dude's making Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl. Remember who was the guy that told you that Denzel Mims was going to be a dude? I'll go over it one more time just so we're clear. 
the catch radius, the athleticism, the size, the strength, the speed, the hands, all of it screams number one receiver. Denzel Mims has it. And I know people have their concerns with his route running ability. However, although he isn't like Jerry Judy in the respect that he's going to outquick you, right? He's not the most agile dude out there. He's like Julio Jones in that he knows how to use his size to his advantage when running routes. Give a corner a little chicken wing, shoulder him off of you. He uses his size as a, as a means of gaining leverage, which works just as good, just as well, excuse me, as being an agile, quick guy. Denzel Mims is going to be a baller. In my eyes, he was easily a first-round prospect. The NFL teams did not see it that way. He dropped past the Eagles, which really pissed me off, and the Jets stole him. And the Jets stole him in the second round. Third round, right? Not a whole lot of first-round talent left in the third round. You can't find first-round talent in the third round. Oh, the contraire. Who do the Jets get? Ashton Davis. Now, the thing about Ashton Davis, he was injured for the back half of a lot of last season, and it was a groin injury that kept him out of the Senior Bowl. It kept him out of the Combine, and then obviously with the whole quarantine and COVID-19, he didn't get to have a pro day. And that hurt Ashton Davis because the thing that separate, the thing that separates him from everyone else is that he is so uber-athletic. We're talking about a guy that went to Cal Berkeley to be a track star. He was a hurdler. Begged the coaches for an opportunity to walk onto the football team. Made it. Stood out as a special teams player. Next thing you know, he's in the NFL draft. Dude was on lists projected to possibly be a first-round prospect, but... I think his name got lost in the mix throughout this entire process because, again, he couldn't strut his athleticism in these pre-draft things. He didn't get to do any workouts. He didn't get to go to the combine. He didn't get to go to the senior bowl. None of that. And I think people forgot about the caliber of athlete and football player that Ashton Davis is, causing him to slip into the third round where the Jets snagged up yet another first-round caliber talent. Once the dude gets healthy, you will see it. Now you're looking at Jamal Adams and Ashton Davis in the same secondary. I'm telling y'all, the Jets did a masterful job in this draft. They also picked up Jabari Zuniga, defensive end out of Florida, Bryce Hall, a corner out of Virginia, two guys with immensely high upside, right? We don't know exactly. I mean, they, they fell to the, uh, to the spots in the draft that they fell for a reason, but they both have very, very high ceilings and could prove to be very strong prospects. Um, the Jets, man, they had one heck of a draft. Shout out to Joe Douglas, former Philly guy. He was working under Harry Roseman for a very long time, and he did a hell of a job drafting while he was in Philly, and he's doing the same thing in New York. And that sucks for Philly, man, because I'll be upfront with it right now. The Philadelphia Eagles are undoubtedly, without a shred of a doubt in my mind, were the losers, the losers of the 2020 NFL draft. And it's not even close, y'all. It's not even close. You start in the first round. There was one guy that was linked to the Eagles almost throughout the entire process of the draft. And I was just praying, praying that the Eagles didn't get to him. It was Jalen Rager. Now, if you remember one of my previous podcasts, 
Jalen Rager is the guy that ran a 4.47 at the NFL Combine, yet everyone looked at him as he was this speed guy because on the tape, and I'll admit it, on the tape, there's times where he looks very fast, but he ran a 4.47 at the Combine. Not good. And what that tells me is as fast as he can be, as fast as he is when he gets to his top speed, he's not a quick accelerator. Excuse me, man. You know, folks want to text me, interrupting my podcast and stuff, man. Come on, Cameron Walcott. I'm calling you out, dog. You interrupted my podcast. Anyways, as I was saying, Jalen Rager, he does not accelerate quickly. And if you want to be a deep threat in the NFL, it's not necessarily about your top end speed. That'll help you with the yak. But that's not going to help you beat guys on deep routes. You have to accelerate quickly. Deshaun Jackson, Ted Ginn, Tyreek Hill. These are guys that get to their top speed very, very quickly. And it's why they consistently burn corners. That's not Jalen Rager. However, the Eagles were duped. Right, because Jalen Rager then went and did his pro day where he magically dropped from a 4.47 to a 4.2. Why the fuck you lying? Yeah, I. He magically dropped his 40 time and the Eagles got duped and they took him with their first round pick. And uh, I was not happy about that at all. If you haven't seen, uh, if you weren't watching the draft stream, I was not happy about that at all. I saw a Twitter post that was, who is the one guy that you don't want the Eagles to draft? My immediate answer was Jalen Ray. He is known as a speed person, but he ran a 4-4-7 at the Combine. And then all of a sudden, magically at this pro day that no one's able to attend, he drops it down to a 4-2. That's impossible. (laughs) impossible to drop almost four or 0.3 seconds off of your 40 in a matter of weeks that's not and that's not physically possible this is the worst thing that could have happened for the eagles right now i'm utterly disappointed in howie roseman not only did we let cd lamb go to the cowboys but we drafted not even the best receiver available right now we're not looking at mims we're not even looking at jefferson we're looking at jalen rager the four five speed demon lord have mercy i'm i'm at my wits end y'all but It's still a receiver. You still got Carson Wentz some help, right? That's the goal of this draft. You have to get your 120 plus million dollar man. You got to get him some guys to throw to. Alshon Jeffrey seems like he's on his last legs. Deshaun Jackson was hurt basically all of last season. Zach Ertz is always reliable, but you need receivers. You got to give Carson Wentz some wide receivers to work with. He wants to stretch the field. He wants to get the ball deep. So in the second round, you know, you think... Eagles go get another receiver. Heck, maybe they get a defensive lineman, fill another hole in the in the uh, defense. <sighs> nope. The Philadelphia Eagles, with their second round pick, drafted quarterback out of Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts. And I'll tell y'all, no pun intended, that one hurt. Because no matter how you spin it, no matter how you try to justify it, there's just no rhyme or reason to this draft pick, man. There's no rhyme or reason to drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. One of my favorite analysts, one of the questions that he asked Howie Roseman after this pick, what is the ideal outcome for drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round? And when you think about it, what is the ideal outcome? 
He's a really good backup quarterback. You can sign one of those. Cam Newton's on the market. Jameis Winston's on the market. Joe Flacco is on the market. There's ways to obtain a really good backup quarterback without spending second-round capital. Or is it that you're so unconfident about Carson Wentz's health that you felt the need to get a contingency plan in the second round of the draft? And if that's the case, what makes you believe that Jalen Hurts is going to be ready to play immediately? If Carson Wentz gets hurt this year, Jalen Hurts is not going to be ready to take that helm. He's not going to Nick Foles it. He's not going to carry that Philadelphia Eagles team to, to anything substantial, let alone a Super Bowl. He's not ready. And I did not, I, I love Jalen Hurts as a person. Everything that he's gone through throughout his football career, that dude deserves a lot. And I think over time, maybe he can develop into a decent quarterback, a fringe starter at his ceiling. But was he worth a second round pick? Hell no. Hell to the no. Especially when you're talking about a team that needed to get its franchise quarterback, not a backup quarterback, its franchise quarterback, some weapons to throw the ball to. And Denzel Mims is sitting right there. And you get a backup quarterback? And yeah, I hear all the noise about, man, they're going to try to use him like Taysom Hill. They're going to use him in the two-quarterback system. They're going to be able to diversify their offense. Shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear all that. Ask me what round Taysom Hill got picked in. I don't even know, but I know it was late. I know it wasn't. I know damn sure wasn't the second round. Come on now. You can get that anywhere. You got Greg Ward literally on your roster. Y'all know who Greg Ward is? College quarterback out of Houston. Extremely dynamic. Did they use Greg Ward in that capacity at any point last season? When things got dire... And there really weren't a whole lot of options in terms of diversifying your offense. You didn't think once to use Greg uh, Greg Ward Jr. in that capacity. Yet now you're all in on this two-quarterback system. And Taysom Hill, as exciting as he is, really doesn't add a whole lot to the Saints offense. He's a nice, fun little wrinkle. But without Taysom Hill, that offense is still extremely dynamic. He just adds a different element. Not worth a second round pick, man. No rhyme or reason to this decision by Howie Roseman. Zero. Zilch. Zip. The Eagles lost the NFL draft. And then what did they do with the rest of their picks, right? Yeah, you got Davion Taylor. He's an athletic linebacker. Actually raced my buddy Zach Shinnick, who's also an Eagles fan. He got to race him in college. Apparently, these dudes run like a 10-5 or something like that in the 100. That's pretty... The athletic upside is at least there. You got Kavon Wallace, safety out of Clemson. You know, he has a winning culture. Last time the Eagles had a safety out of Clemson, Brian Dawkins. I'm not trying to set that high of expectations for the dude, but the dude definitely has some upside. But then it was day three, man. Day three... The Eagles knew they messed up. They knew they messed up because Eagles fans everywhere were crying, yelling, screaming, complaining, because why on earth, you know, I'm not a genius or anything. Eagles fans aren't geniuses or anything. We're not, you know, well-versed in the ins and outs. Well, you know, I like to think that I am, but most football fans aren't well-versed in the ins and outs of the construction of a roster, but they know that a backup quarterback isn't anywhere near a second round value. 
that's just simple common sense. So they were banging, clamoring for Howie Roseman. So what does Howie Roseman come back and do? Day three, drafts John Hightower, speedster out of Boise State. Drafts Quez Watkins, speeder, speedster out of Southern Mississippi. Uh, trades for Marquise Goodwin, speedster from the San Francisco 49ers. Adding speed, adding fast wide receivers. Yeah, look at me. I'm helping Carson Wentz out. I'm giving Carson Wentz the weapons. No, Howie, you tried it. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to make it, trying to give the perception, right? It's all about optics here. Yeah, we tried to help Carson Wentz. We're bringing all this wide receiver talent. No, 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 no. See, here's the thing, Howie Roseman. There's a difference between quality and quantity. And you got a lot of quantity there, but you didn't get a whole lot of quality. Marquise Goodwin hasn't been good in a very long time. And yeah, he's fast, but I can't remember the last time he had a substantial impact on a football game. Most substantial thing I saw him do last year was like run a very long time on a on a punt. Uh, he wasn't even returning the punt. It was, they were punting the ball and he was basically a gunner. Right? Quez Watkins. Dude's fast, sure. Is he going to translate to the next level? Is he refined enough as a wide receiver? John Hightower. I have my questions there. And he he looked decent in college. But, you know, the odds of hitting on these picks are pretty low. Just considering the, the, the numerics of the fact that they were fifth, sixth round picks. And the fact that the 49ers were willing to just swap six round picks and give you Marquise Goodwin. That tells you something. That tells you that the value that he brought to their organization, a Kyle Shanahan offense. And Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. That much is clear. He had little to no value for Marquise Goodwin. What does that tell you? So Howie Roseman, yeah, you tried to, you know, make an example out of the third round or the third day of the draft and show that you were trying to get Carson Wentz some help, but you should have done it on days one and two, and you did not. You got Jalen Rager, who I can promise y'all right now is not going to be that good. He might be okay, but... He reminds me a lot of Nelson Aguilar in that he's going to show flashes of being a pretty good football player. And then there's going to be other times where you're extremely frustrated and you're wondering where he disappeared to. But the Eagles aren't the only team that had a bad draft, right? Other teams had bad drafts. So why am I hounding on the Eagles? Why am I saying they're the loser of the NFL draft? It's because look what their division did. That's what really hurt Talk about the Giants. Got Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, adding talent. Talk about the Redskins, Chase Young, right? Premier pass rusher. Dude's going to be a baller, almost guaranteed. Antonio Gibson out of Memphis, wide receiver and running back, extremely dynamic when he gets the ball in his hands. Then Dallas, Trayvon Diggs, Neville Gallimore, Tyler Biotz, and CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb. Just a couple of picks before your pick, if you're Philly. Just a couple of picks. You were that close to getting CeeDee Lamb, and you missed out, and you got Jalen Rager instead. What a consolation prize. That's why the Philadelphia Eagles are the real losers of this draft. Because not only did they not improve their team, everyone around them got better. That's the tragedy. That is the tragedy. But enough about the Eagles quarterback room. I want to transition to another quarterback room. Jameis Winston. 
Looks like he's finalizing a deal with the New Orleans Saints. And if y'all don't know this about me, let me let you know right now. I'm probably the biggest Jameis Winston fan left out here. Might be one of the only ones because everyone hounded on him after that 30 interception season and deservedly so. But I think it has to be understood that Jameis Winston, for what he lacks in decision-making skill, he has one hell of an arm. And I can teach you how to make better decisions. I can't teach you how to throw a ball like Jameis Winston is capable of throwing a football. And I think Bruce Arians was not good for his development. I think you get him into the right system, get him the right tutelage. The dude can develop into a franchise quarterback and he will develop into a franchise quarterback because look where he's going. New Orleans, Sean Payton, Drew Brees. These are guys that can help Jameis Winston become the guy that we all thought he was going to be coming out of Florida State. We know he has the arm. He's got to get it right mentally. New Orleans is the perfect situation for that. Look at what happened with Teddy Bridgewater last year. Everybody had just about written him off. Goes to New Orleans, sits behind Drew Brees. Drew Brees eventually goes down. He steps up and look at the quarterback he is. Smart decisions, taking care of the football, not putting up flashy numbers, sure, but they're winning football games. That's what we have to get Jameis Winston in the habit of doing because I'll tell you what Jameis Winston's problem is. The dude has played one brand of football for his entire life, and it's worked all the way up until he got to the NFL. And it was, he's the guy. He's the hero. He's the one who makes everything happen. That does not work in the NFL. And he keeps on trying to push the envelope and make everything happen for himself, not trusting his receivers, not trusting the people around him. And it all goes to garbage. He throws all these interceptions. He takes too many unnecessary risks and it all goes to garbage. Not to mention the fact that his running game was essentially non-existent last season, as was his offensive line. Granted, he had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to throw to, but hell, if you're a quarterback, you need time to throw the ball. You can't just, you know, you don't get to, you know, sit back in the pocket for one second and release. That's not how it works. You've got to have a good three, four seconds to decision make. He didn't have that last year. So I wholeheartedly believe that given time, Jameis Winston can become and will become a franchise quarterback and the Saints are the perfect place to do it. We think about the Saints, right? What they just do, sign Taysom Hill to an extension, two years. And I know a lot of people believe that Taysom Hill can be something as a quarterback. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Taysom Hill is a great wrinkle for the Saints offense. He's a great gadget player. He's a great gimmick player. He adds a different element to your offense, but he's not a quarterback. If you enter a game and Taysom Hill is your starting quarterback, it's not going to go well. Because it's one thing when it's a pitch, reverse, you know, reverse slide back, whatever, and Taysom Hill bombs it because that was the design of the play and he bombs it 50 yards downfield and it's a catch. Sure, that might work a few times, but it's a completely separate issue. If Taysom Hill has to do a five-step drop, sit in the pocket, navigate uh, an edge rusher, and deliver the ball across the middle in a tight window. That's not his game. He's incapable of doing that. There's a reason why he's a gadget player for the Saints and not the quarterback. There's a reason why they got Teddy Bridgewater last year. It's a reason why they're going for Jameis Winston this year. 
because he's not a quarterback. He's a gadget player and a damn good one. Don't get me wrong, a damn good one. I, I do think he deserves the money that he's getting for what he provides to the offense, but he is not a quarterback. Don't get that twisted. So you go get Jameis Winston, you put him under the tutelage of Sean Payton, you allow Drew Brees to take him under his wing. Who knows, maybe he stays in New Orleans until Drew Brees is out. Who knows how much longer uh, that, that clock's ticking on Drew Brees. Jameis Winston gets the opportunity possibly to take over that offense with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Having learned under Drew Brees, having learned under Sean Payton, having been able to gain a different perspective as a backup quarterback, because I'll tell you, when you're a backup, you get a lot, you learn a lot more about the game than when you're a starter. Because when you're a starter, your ultimate objective is to win the game. When you're a backup, you get to see things a little bit differently. Take that from me. I I, I backed up for a lot of my time in high school, let me tell you. Aww. But I digress. This is the perfect opportunity for Jameis Winston. And I think given time, this is the situation that we're we're gonna we're gonna see Jameis Winston ascend to being the franchise quarterback that we all thought he would be. This is it. And you know, again, just like I said with Denzel Mims, just remember this moment when I told you. Cause I frankly, I'm not the type to say I told you so. But when I'm right, I'm right. So I digress, y'all. I just really big fan of Jameis Winston. I do think that he still has a lot of juice left in the tank, especially just given his arm talent. But his biggest problem, man, I'll say it again. He just thinks he has to be the superhero. You don't have to do all that, Jameis. Just be the quarterback. Take care of the football. Use your arm talent when it's appropriate, but the most important aspect of your job is making the right decisions. If he gets that in his head, the sky's the limit. He has to stop trying to be, you know, All Might or Goku. For those of y'all who don't know, All Might and Goku are anime characters. Matter of fact, that <laughs> that reference probably went over y'all's head a little bit. But isn't anime great? I mean, anime's so good. And I was one of those people. I had my uh I had my qualms with it for a long time. I thought it was something that was, you know, reserved for quote unquote nerds, right? Oh, you like anime? Dude's a nerd. <laughs> Got him. Look at me now. <laughs> Starting my fourth anime, you know, really digging my heels into it. Really digging my heels into it. And the thing that really got me into anime was my friends. My friend group in high school, a lot of them were into it and they would always have these heated debates and discussions about what's going on with a bunch of different shows. And, you know, it got to the point where I felt so left out. I had to at least try it, right? Peer pressure. That's one hell of a, one hell of an influence is peer pressure, man. It can be positive and it can be negative. In this case, it was positive. So I started with One Punch Man, right? Didn't really know a whole lot about it, but let me tell you, if you're a skeptic on anime, One Punch Man is the perfect show to get your feet wet because it's an ironic take on everything that is dramatic about anime. I'm not going to spoil the thing, but it basically follows this character who's trying to be a hero and he's so overpowered, right? And because a part of people's qualms with anime is like, man, the characters are overpowered. The, the storylines are dramatic. It's also drawn out. This dude's so overpowered that he takes down every single enemy 
no matter how strong the dude is, no how, uh, how strong the opposition is, he takes everybody out with a singular punch. In every single episode, you have all this drama building and building and building and building and you feel it. That's the part that was crazy about the show for me is that I kept on feeling the drama and emotion build inside of me every time, knowing that at the end, One Punch Man was just going to come in, one swing, deck the dude. Every single time. But it was a great show, man. Great show to get your feet wet in anime. Highly recommend. So One Punch Man my hero academia hunter x hunter i've watched a little seven deadly sins um there's a lot of great anime out there y'all a lot of great anime out there if you if you're not on the wave i suggest you hop on it because especially in in these times where we're quarantined in the house not much to do it's it's a very good escape um there's one anime i've been avoiding for a very long time though but it might be time and that's naruto now, the thing with Naruto, everyone tells me how great the story is and, you know, how, how much they loved watching it and things of that nature. And I want to get into it, sure. But it's just so, 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 so long, y'all. So long. And there's like multiple editions of the series, right? Like they we watch these dudes grow up. So there's not just one. Uh, there's multiple shows. Right, you have the Naruto, then you got Naruto Shippuden. You got all this different stages of Naruto. We see this dude grow up, eventually have kids of his own and stuff. And right now, I'm still watching him, and he's a kid. Right, you got nine seasons of when he's a child, and then he's gonna grow up, and then he has a bunch of more seasons after that. It's a scary endeavor. I'm not sure if I'm ready to take on that load of watching the entire series. That feels like a lifetime of television. But from what I'm hearing, it's worth it. So I'm going to attempt at the very least to take this endeavor. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep you guys updated. But like I said, if you don't watch anime, maybe if you've watched anime and you decide it's not for you, hey, that's your decision. But if you haven't watched it and you're skeptical about it, I strongly urge you to give it a shot. It's funny. It's entertaining. The animation is, is, is you know, riveting to watch. I think it's worth it, man. I, I do. And this is coming from somebody who was skeptical about it at first. And I thought it was for nerds. But, you know, turns out it's for me. What does that make me? A nerd? Probably. But like my uh, fifth grade teacher used to say, there's nothing wrong with being a nerd. That was probably his way of trying to help me cope with the idea of it. But I want to move into the Q&A. So we got four good questions this week and two of which are coming from people that I really haven't heard from in a while. Um, But I'll start with somebody that I hear from almost every day. My roommate, my good friend, my one of my best friends, Eddie's son. Thoughts on the Niners draft? The Niners drafted all right. I mean, nothing special, right? It was nothing, uh, nothing that I'm gonna drool over. Nothing that I'm gonna, uh, you know. Uh, there's a reason why they're not the winner of the draft, but the the Niners had a decent one, I suppose. I mean, 
round one, you go ahead and take Javon Kinlaw, right? You you send out DeForest Buckner, and then you basically get discount DeForest Buckner and Javon Kinlaw. When I say discount DeForest Buckner, I'm not saying he's a worse version. I'm saying he's a cheaper version, right? Because NFL draft picks, they don't get these big contracts yet. So Javon Kinlaw, that, that's a good pick. Brandon Ayuk, I have my questions about. I'm not sure if he's necessarily the guy that you want to put opposite of Debo Samuel. Um, he does have a little bit of speed to him. He has a little bit of route running ability, but I, I feel like he's he kind of came out of nowhere. And there's no reason for his production to have increased as much as it did because it's not like, you know, he, he wasn't around for this long. Um, but I think he has the potential to be decent. If there's anyone that knows how to use him, it's Kyle Shanahan, right? So Kyle Shanahan's most definitely going to get the best out of him. Um, then you just didn't pick again, right? Until round six and round seven, Charlie Warner tight end out of Georgia and then Jawan Jennings. I really, I'm not going to lie. I don't know who either of those two people are. So really the only two substantial players of this draft are Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. And it never, I never understood why teams don't do this more often. Right, package your picks and go get guys that you know are going to be candidates to make your roster and have an impact on the team. Right? Nine times out of ten, those fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, they don't tend to be a whole lot. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's a crapshoot. You never truly know with these guys. If you package those things, go get second and third round picks. You know those guys are gonna have an impact. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to that strategy by the Niners of making sure that they have talent you know you you essentially only have a two-person draft class but you know those two people they're going to have an impact on the team so I'm definitely not opposed to that that style of drafting I think the Niners had a decent draft nothing uh, special though Jared Weinstein Weinstein excuse me Drew Locke got two new and good wideouts from the draft do you think that he has what it takes to become a star I don't see it with Drew Locke I think he can be a decent quarterback, nothing great. I don't think he'll ever be a top 10 quarterback. I think he has the potential to be average. If you surround him with a really, really good team, maybe the team can elevate him. But I don't see a guy in Drew Locke. I don't see him being the guy to elevate the team. I think he'll be able to work with what's around him and not really add a whole lot to it. Um, but you did just get KJ Hamler. You got Jerry Judy. You already had Cortland Sutton. He has some receivers around him. So as long as he's smart with the football, they, the Broncos offense can be decent. You already got Melvin Gordon. You have an improving offensive line. Still not all the way there, but it's improving. They've definitely done a decent job of surrounding Drew Locke with the uh, pieces that he needs to be successful. Whether, whether he is or not, that's up to him. But I do think he's a player that has a pretty low ceiling. I don't see him ascending to be any sort of star. He might be one of those guys that might make a Pro Bowl here and there just because of the people around him. I don't see Drew Locke as being a star, though. Um, All right, so this next guy, very interesting relationship between me and him. I stuck my hands under his butt for a very, very long time. What? Antonio almost was my center playing youth peewee football for years. I can't name, it was four or five years, something like that. We played football and he was always the center. Dude was as reliable as they come, man. I never had to worry about getting sacked with Antonio almost, at least not from the middle. Sometimes the, the guards and tackles weren't there, but I never had to worry about, you know, protection from the middle Antonio almost very very reliable person great person 
good friend of mine. Love him to death. I appreciate you uh, supporting me, man. Yeah, he, he says he misses me. He's proud to see that I'm doing great. Um, We're going to have to catch up at some point, man. Like, yeah, I want to see what you're doing. I want to hear about what you're up to. Seems like you've been in the gym getting strong. Like, I thought I've been in the gym. You boy, you look strong. My, he wasn't like that when he was snapping for me, man. He was like a little scrawny, but the dude could block for sure. He was aggressive, but like he do look strong now. I, I'll give him his props for that for sure. But Antonio almost asked me thoughts on the Raiders draft class. Now I'll tell you what, the Raiders shocked me. I knew they were going to go wide receiver. I did not think it was going to be Henry Ruggs. I thought it was going to be CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy. Um, and one of my podcast mates on, on the On The Clock podcast, he told me, he's like, man, the Raiders, they love their speed. They're going with Henry Ruggs. And I was like, nah, man, that's Al Davis. He's not running the organization anymore. He's He doesn't have an impact on the draft uh, picks anymore. That's an Al Davis thing. But what do the Raiders go and do? Draft Henry Ruggs. And, you know, looking back on it in hindsight, John Gruden, Mike Mayock, that's very on character for them. It makes sense that they would become infatuated with the speed, hoping that he'd become somewhat of a Tyreek Hill. I think he has that potential. Will he reach it? I'm not particularly sure. I'm not opposed to the pick, however. If it were me, I'd be taking C.D. Lamb. I feel like that's more of a sure thing. But, hey, maybe they believe that the upside is higher with Henry Ruggs. Um, Damon Arnett was the other first-round pick. And I'm not going to lie to you, uh, Antonio. That, that one didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, dog. Like Arnett was a guy that, you know, people had in the third, fourth rounds and you reach all the way up in round one for it. I wasn't a fan of that pick at all, but sometimes, right, because he was the Ohio State corner opposite of Jeff Okuda. The only knock on Okuda was that, you know, it's hard to evaluate him because teams would just not throw the ball his way. So because they're not throwing the ball his way, they're throwing the ball at Arnett the entire time. So I'm willing to bet that they were watching some uh, Jeff Okuda tape, doing their due diligence, and then notice, hey, man, this this Arnett kid has something. That might be why we saw that pick. But again, didn't make a ton of sense to me. Then in round three, you got uh, Lynn Bowden. Again, I'm, I don't hate it. I don't love it. But I do love this next pick, Brian Edwards. I think he's a very, very underrated receiver in this draft. I think, you know, he's very similar to uh, Debo Samuel when he was coming out. And Debo Samuel came from the same school. And I remember thinking, man, this Debo kid, he has a lot of talent. This dude's really, really good. But not a lot of people notice. Right. And went in the second round, doing great things up in there in San Fran. Um, so I, I think Brian Edwards has the potential to do the same thing in the right system. Round three, you got Tanner Muse. Round four, you got John Simpson out of Clemson. Round uh, four again, you got Amik Robinson out of uh, Robertson, excuse me, out of Louisiana Tech. So here's the thing I want you to notice about the Raiders draft is that you have Alabama, Ohio State, Kentucky, South Carolina, Clemson, Clemson, Louisiana Tech. They love drafting dudes from championship programs, man. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they love dudes from that because they want to build a winning culture in Las Vegas, right? They, they don't want to go there and start losing games. People are going to lose interest extremely quickly if that happens. They're trying to establish a winning culture as quickly as possible, which is why you consistently see the Raiders draft these guys from these highly uh, respected programs in college football. I think that's a decent way to build a football team. However, sometimes it can have its drawbacks because if you think somebody else is going to be a better player, don't just draft the guy because he comes from a certain program. Draft whoever you think is going to be the good player. However, if you're getting good players 
from these highly respected programs, it could bode very, very well for your future because you want play people on your team that know how to win. You want winners. That's ultimately what you're looking for if you're the Raiders because you can't afford to go to Las Vegas and start losing off the bat. Um, that's for sure. Finally, last question comes from Caleb London. He says he loves my work. He may I may not remember him, but we went to school. To, of course I remember you, Caleb. Of course I remember you, man. Like we went to MUS. You're a couple years younger than me. I can't remember if it was one or two, but uh, of course I remember you, man. He was a hooper. I remember like you you was cold with the hooper. And it, it looks like you um you're going to Arkansas State University. You committed to Arkansas State University to play basketball. Um congratulations on that, dog. That's that's huge. That's awesome for you. I I'm proud to see that. Um Caleb asks, how can I partner or help you with your podcast? Um so this is really a solo podcast. Um, and this is one endeavor that I really wanted to do because I wanted to develop my voice. However, it's part of something bigger that me and Eddie have cultivated together with one of our friends, Julio, called Square One Media. Um, and that, that has, you know, the Hoop and Holler podcast, the Triple Coverage podcast, the On the Clock podcast, a lot of written work, um, some stuff on YouTube. That's kind of the uh, the the media uh outlet per se that that we operate under is called square one media um and we're always looking to you know add people to that and and diversify in that respect however you know might not be my place right now uh caleb but i do want to say that you've worked extremely hard to put yourself in the position that you're in able to go play um basketball in college that that's you know like i said that's amazing for you and there's not a thing in the world. And as much as I love doing this and talking about sports and, you know, doing the whole sports analysis thing, I'd trade all of this right now. If I could go play, you know, uh, football or basketball or run track, like I, you know, it was always my dream to be a, a collegiate athlete. And uh, because of some circumstances, whether you want to chalk it up to my me breaking my leg or, you know, a lot of other things that were going on, I didn't achieve that dream. And um, this was the next best thing for me. If I couldn't play the sport, I damn sure was going to be talking about it, you know. Um, but you're in a position right now where you get to actually play, man. And what I'd encourage you to do is take full advantage of that opportunity while you have it because that athletic mortality once it goes is gone and you don't get to get that time back man and that's something i really think that throughout the course of my athletic uh, career i didn't realize it till it was like at its near end and one of my podcast partners on hoop and holler I'm sure he shares a similar experience because he suffered a back injury that's essentially ended his basketball career um, after working so hard. So if it if it was me and I'm sitting in your shoes, man, I appreciate the fact that you uh, you you're wanting to venture into other uh, areas and you're wanting to do other things. But, you know. Feel free to hit me up if that's what you want to do for sure, man. We, we can definitely work on something, but treat that basketball stuff like you you only get that for so long, man. Make sure that's where your focus is at because if you want to be a, a really good basketball player, and from what I remember, you were a darn, darn good basketball player, and I'm sure you've only gotten better since then. Please, you know, take full advantage of that while you got it, bro. 
because once it goes, it goes and it, it does not come back, man. It does not come back. Um, like I said, though, if you want to get with me and work, work on something, we can for sure. Um, we can talk about it for sure. You can hit me up. You know my info. Um, but with that said, that'll do it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. Number two, man. Number two. We on the grind. We making it work. We getting the bag. We chasing the paper. I'm not actually making money from this, but that's okay. I do it for the love of it. I do it for y'all. I do it because I like talking. I just talk for the past 55 minutes and I ain't even tired yet, man. I'm coming with this every single week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Y'all know it means the world to me that you're willing to hear me talk for this long. I just want to be heard, man. That's the point of this. I just want to get my voice out there. I want to be heard. Big hair, bigger opinions. Y'all know what it is. Much love. I will see you next week.